Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, pregnancy-focused chiropractor, Dr. Elliot Berlin. Today, I'm talking to an Italian-American artist, painter. We're going to find out more about that, and soon to be mother of two, and her experiences with her first birth, where she fractured her tailbone, and then secondary infertility, and now pregnant, and about to have a kid, Valentina Trentini. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, how many weeks are you with this kid? 38 and a half. 38 and a half. So we have plenty of time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's start at the beginning. Where are you from originally? I'm from Bologna in Italy in the north. And then I moved here like about 10 years ago for work. Welcome. Um, thank you. Uh, what's it like <laughs> in northern Italy? Um, it's like a crazy part of Italy because it's like a very... It's not like mellow and chill like the rest of Italy. Like, you know, it's fine. The food is great. The wine is amazing. And I mean, when you say Italy, I gain weight every time. Yeah, you know. Just thinking like, about what the food could be like. Um, what brought you to the U.S.? So 10 years ago, I received an offer, a job offer as a store manager for an Italian shoes company. They were opening a new store in LA. So they asked me to manage the store. And I was like, why not? I always wanted to live in LA. And they accepted. And I moved here. I didn't have any friends. I didn't know anyone. And then slowly but surely, I started to meet tons of people. And uh, now I'm here. Did you meet your husband yeah. here? Yep. I got I met my husband here in LA at a photography exhibition. Oh, wow. Okay. And you're also an artist. Yeah. I'm a muralist and a sign painter. How did you get into that? I always been very artistic since I was a kid. And then I went to um, art high school and then I became a graphic designer. And then when I moved here and when I was working at the store, I got a little bit bored. So I was like, let me do something more artistic. And I started to learn calligraphy on my own on the side. And then I wanted to do something more and be more and more and more and more artistic. And then I find out about sign painting and murals. And that's how I got into it. It's so amazing to me because I have a hard time with big pictures in general. And it's mm -hmm. incredible to me. Like I couldn't make anything like that even in a small space. But to map it out and plan it and get all that, it's incredible. We're going to have to put up some of your beautiful artwork on the socials when this comes out. It's very fun. It's very, mm -hmm. very fun. <laughs> uh, and then how you met your husband is kind of fun. How did that come about? I met him at a photography exhibition in, at the Sunset Marquis here in L.A., and then I didn't like him at all. Uh, I was with my best friend. He was with his best friend. And, you know, I, he was talking and I just stood up and left because I was like, this guy is not interesting. And then <laughs> actually a month later, my best friend was like, oh, you need to start dating. You need to download this app. It's called Hinge. It's friend Hinge. of your friends on Facebook. And I was like, okay, let's do it. I'm not Italians at the time were not really into dating apps, and but I did it anyway. And the first person I saw on the app was him. And I texted him and I was like, I know you. He was like, No, I don't think we know each other. <laughs> but do you want to hang out? I was like, okay. And then after five minutes into our dinner, we realized that we talked a month and a half before and we laughed. And then we live like we live together and we've been together for like eight years. So look, look yeah. at that. Love at second sight. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. That could be a whole book. Okay. So 
kids did you talk about kids early on was there a decision hey this is a good time we talked about it like around like a year year and a half into our relationship we wanted to have kids and we started to like try to have kids and we tried like for like three to four months no more than that and then i got pregnant basically like right away never had a problem with that pregnancy never had a like nothing everything was like perfect yeah, the first Were pregnancy you, was amazing. What was your form of birth control before that? I took a pill for like 15 years, 17 years. I started very early when I was 14 because I had acne. And that was the only thing in Italy that the gynecologist was prescribing you to like treat it. And then I continued Dual. to take it for like 17 years. It was a lot. Yeah, it wasn't that great. I wasn't feeling that good. That's why when I met my husband, like... When I was around 30, 32, I stopped. I was like, this is too much. I don't want to continue anymore. Was that when you started to have kids or before that? No, it was before that. It was like, let's say like eight months, 10 months before that. Okay. Yeah. And then after that, you said, let's have kids. And then three months after that, you got pregnant? Yeah. Something yeah. Like that. It was so what did you do for months. the 10 months to prevent pregnancy? You know, we use a condom and... Did you have regular cycles? Yeah, very regular. I'm like a Swiss clock. Oh. (laughs) You know, like, that's what we say in Italy. So when you're like, you know, on point every month, 28 days, I get my period. And it's, I I was getting my period. And it was always five days, no matter what, five days. That sounds more German than I am. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So then you get pregnant. How was that first pregnancy? It was amazing. I was very relaxed. I was very calm. I really, really enjoyed it. I was still working, but I was like going to the pool every day to like do laps. And I really, really enjoyed it. It was very easy. Very, very easy pregnancy. Hmm. You sound European. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what happened? Well, like for birth, did you have a particular plan, a thought on how you wanted it to go? Did you do well, any prep? I did um, because I lost my mom in 2014 and I moved here and I didn't have anyone here. I just had my husband's family. I decided to have a doula to help me navigate through like late stage of pregnancy and then birth and then postpartum. And it was very, very helpful. We decided, oh, maybe let's not get an epidural if I can. Let's stay at home as much as I can until my water breaks. So my plan was stay home as much as you can. Don't get an epidural. Basically go with the flow and see how it goes. But of course, birth never goes to plan. Okay. How did it start? I woke up at 2 a.m., started to have contractions. And actually, they were pretty close together. Called my doula, I would say like around 4, because I was like, oh, maybe it's not that bad. You know, like I could handle it. And then she showed up at four and she was like, your contractions are very, very close together. Like, you should have called me before. But I was like, I I could handle it. No big deal. And then we stayed home until 9 a.m. I was at home until 9 a.m. And then at 9 a.m. I was like, I cannot take it anymore. I was having a hard time breathing. And my contractions were not like minutes apart anymore. They were like next to each other. like No breaks. No breaks at all. So I was done and I got to the hospital and I couldn't take it anymore. I was in a lot of pain and I think my body went in complete shock because of the pain. 
the doctor was like, if you don't want to take it, get an epidural, don't do it because you're two hours away from giving birth. But for me, I reached my limit. Do you remember where the pain was that was sort of overwhelming you? I think it was in my back. Your I lower couldn't back. like even, yeah, in my lower back, I couldn't even stand straight. I think that the fact that I was overwhelmed by the contractions and I was having a hard time breathing, that for me was like a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I started to get scared. How was the epidural for you? When they put the needle in, I didn't even feel it. I was like, this is the dream. But then <laughs> after a little bit, you know, they give you a remote that I could control the, um, the dosage of the epidural. And I think I got too much because I was in a lot of pain. What kind of pain for, from too much it, epidural? When I got to the hospital, the pain was like unbearable for me. And I think that... Oh, you're saying I you was, overdid it with the epidural yeah, because I of over, that. Yes, I ah. did overdo with the epidural. And I think I made a mistake because I couldn't feel my left leg anymore. My right leg, I could still feel it. But for me, like my body, because it was in shock, it just shut down. And I went to the hospital that I was seven and a half centimeters dilated. Wow. And then my body was like just shut down. My body was like, I cannot do this anymore. You need to relax. You need to stop. It's just becoming too much. So labor stopped happening? Labor stopped. I completely stopped for 10 hours. Wow. Was that like restful for you at least? Like recovery wise? Uh, I could rest a little bit. I was very lucky if I have to be honest, because I was at the Kaiser hospital and they offer you a midwife during the day. And my midwife was really good. She was very, 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 very amazing. And she was like, I'm not going to call the doctor. I want you to have a vaginal birth. I don't want to give you a C-section. Because by the time that I got to the hospital, they broke my water like two hours later. So I Mm. was for a few hours in the bed with my water. on the clock. Yeah, seriously. And then she was like, I have the feeling that you need to be alone for like a little bit. So everyone went out, like left the room. I was alone. I had put some music on. I started to breathe. And then around like, well, let's say like 40, 45 minutes later, she came back and she was like, well, you're there. We are almost 10 centimeters. We start pushing now. Okay. So you didn't need to augment your labor with like Pitocin? It just. They did. They did. It didn't work. Oh, it didn't even work. So you just had to wait for your body to be ready again. Yeah. How was pushing? Pushing was actually the best part of everything. How do you mean? (laughs) It was easy. It felt very natural. It felt like, okay, I got this. And actually, it felt like 10 minutes. I thought 10 minutes went past. And then the doctor came in and I was like, what do you mean the doctor is already here? (laughs) Like, it's just 10 minutes. They were like, no, honey, you've been pushing from an hour. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Still kind of quick for, uh, you know, first It wasn't bad. I felt empowered. I was like, I got this. That was really good. Was the um, epidural turned down? Could you feel things? I actually could feel things because I stopped like giving myself epidural, like I think two hours before. You stopped adding on. Yeah. So I could feel it because also the doctor, like when the head came out, left the head like halfway. Yeah. So she was like, I'm going to leave her here for like a second because I don't want you to rip. And I was like, okay, we got this. It's fine. And then after a little bit, I couldn't take it anymore. It was like very painful, but that prevented me of like tearing. I'm tearing. Like, so you didn't yeah. tear or just a minimal tear? Not, nothing. No nothing. tearing. Okay. I did not even a stitch. 
All right. Yeah. Well, let's take a little break because something didn't go exactly according to plan. Let's take a little break and come back and find out what that was all about. <laughs> hey, everyone. It's Dr. Berlin, and I want to talk to you about something that is close to my heart. Literally. Omega-3. It's a crucial nutrient that's sadly overlooked. With 95% of women deficient, Needed, the supplement brand I trust, created their brand new Omega-3 Soft Gels. Designed by perinatal experts, they support you and your baby's well-being from fertility to pregnancy and beyond. Unlike other brands, Needed's Omega-3 is sustainable, pesticide-free, and third-party tested for purity. Plus, my favorite, it has a milder taste and smell, perfect for sensitive mamas. Don't wait. Visit thisisneeded.com and use code BERLIN to get 20% off your initial order. Experience the needed difference, consciously crafted for your health and the planet. Welcome back to the podcast. We're talking to Valentina Trentini. So you had the baby. Pushing was easy. But then what happened afterwards? What happened, like, is like they, they put me in a different room and the epidural started to, like, slowly, like, leave my body. Meaning you start uh, to feel everything again. Yes, I started to feel everything again. And I was starting to feel this, like, super sharp pain in my lower back and in my tailbone. And I told everyone, I was like, there is something wrong. There is something wrong. Um, my tailbone is hurting really bad. And they were, everyone didn't believe me. Not a single person, believe me. They were like, no, it's uh, you just gave birth. You don't know what it is. No, I know my body and the pain is different. Can and I just so, go back a second before that? Because you do seem to know your body really well. Some people do more than others, or some people are a little more connected than others. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of noise and clouding around. So sometimes we're not so in tune. But in terms of your connection with your body, were you like, prior to pregnancy, a healthy, do you exercise and were you like a worker outer? Were you a healthy eater? I always been very healthy. I always been like a very active person. I was a snowboarder uh, through my teenage years until I was 25. Previous to that, I was a gymnast and I always eat like very healthy, like Italians, like, you know, like, yeah, we eat a lot of pasta and pizza, but we're healthy people, you know, yeah. like. Because you, you drink know, a lot of wine. Yeah, because we're <laughs> uh, I was a yeah, gymnast we, one time when I tried to go ice skating, but that's a whole separate issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, for me, it was like I knew the pain because when I was 18, during a snowboarding competition, I broke my tailbone and I knew the pain. I knew how bad it is and I knew exactly where the pain is. And so I got really upset when nobody was believing me because I was like, so, but I, I, I also you. wondered, did you tell them that you had a previous tailbone injury and this is what it felt like? Yes. And they still weren't I buying did. it? Yeah, I did. And the thing it's like, I don't think that anyone would actually think that I would break my tailbone during giving birth. It's like those things that maybe no, they don't. No, it does care. happen. It's kind of rare, but it does happen. And especially if you have a previous fracture. And you know what it feels like. Again, you're someone who has always been athletic and in touch with your body. So, like, why not believe you? Okay, so then nobody did anything to help treat it? No, basically, like, I went to my previous gynecologist, and uh, she was like, oh, I'm going to sign you to a physical therapist. But, you know, the f regular physical therapist, they don't know what to do. 
they were giving me exercises and I was like, this is not an exercise kind of pain. This is something different. So I went to like a physical therapist here for like six to eight months and nothing happened. Nothing. I couldn't hold my baby. I couldn't sleep on my side. I couldn't sleep on my, but yeah, I couldn't sleep period. When I was sitting down, I was feeling my tailbone popping in and out, which was the worst Painfully? Oh, painfully. Yeah. And I was oh hearing it like I was hearing uh-huh. this loud pop. Oy. So, can I ask a question? When you entered it snowboarding, was there anything specific you did for recovery then? No. Basically, when I went deal? to the, yeah, basically, when I went to the hospital, they were like, we can put you a cast from your neck to your knees and just you stay in a cast for like a month and a half. But if not, there is nothing you can do about it. Wow. And I was like, well, you know, <laughs> I've never even heard of that. That's maybe, crazy. You know, thank you. I was 18. So it was like 20 years ago, you know, yeah, maybe so things you push changed. through it and just deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we have a better remedy today. I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully. And then the physical therapist that you were seeing here in the U S was not a specialist not a pelvic health physical therapist not a specialist and i didn't even know but if i have to be honest i didn't even know that you can see a specialist for your pelvic floor for like you know that specific area i didn't know and nobody told me not even my doctor told me and you know that's why she's Mm. my doctor i mean not being able to hold your baby you're such a passionate mama that must have been really challenging it was it was really challenging because I couldn't do anything. I really couldn't do anything. And then not only I broke my tailbone, but the bone was not in place. So for me, it was like a struggle, a struggle for eight months. Then, you know, it's a very hard recovery. It's such a, a long time. time and it's such a painful situation and physically, but then emotionally, those eight months are the months like, you know, you want to be doing everything for your baby. I'm so sorry. How did you eventually resolve? I finally uh, decided to take my baby, went to Italy to visit my family for like a vacation for two weeks. And I saw this physical therapist and osteopath that um, she's treating my family from like years and she was amazing. Three sessions with her and my tailbone went back in place. Still hurting, but at least it was in place. And I could like sit and I could like do everyday stuff, you know. And um, it was very painful, but it was what really did, worth What did it. she do? So basically she started to massage all the muscles around my vagina because the muscles were so tight that they were holding everything. And uh, your it, pelvic it, floor muscles. Yes. If I have to be honest, that's the only thing I remember because it was so painful that I just remembered after the third session, I could walk, I could put tight jeans on and bend over and not feeling pain. It was like a little bit like, you know, like I could feel it, but I was not in pain anymore after eight months. Right. Those pelvic floor muscles run like a hammock from behind your pubic bone in the front to in front of your tailbone in the back. And when it's super tight, like that pulling so hard, It's very difficult to recover. So it sounds like she went internally to find those muscles and release them manually. Yeah. And then you could start to heal. Yeah, that's that's, exactly what it was. Here, that's a specialty pelvic health physical therapy. All right. Then you recovered. And at what point did you start thinking, yeah, let's do this again? I started to think about it like two years later. So we were in during the pandemic. It was 2020, September. And I got pregnant again. Right. When you started trying? I started trying like, even then, like it was like two, three months. Okay. And then I got pregnant. 
it always been like kind of easy for me to get pregnant. But, well, it's a gift. Um, it's a gift. Everybody has like some things that come easy to us and other things that we struggle with. So yeah. thankfully at that time, it was a gift. Yeah. Yeah. But after that, I had my first miscarriage. I had five and a half weeks, which was very traumatic because I didn't understand what was going on. Okay. Um, so before we jump into that, I, a few questions, if you don't mind. Um, Number one, you were trying to get pregnant. How did you find out that you were pregnant? I was taking tests all the time. So okay. uh, did you have I, your cycle back, your German Swiss clock cycle? Oh, yeah. I started to get my cycle back after my daughter was five months. So it, like a perfect oh, okay. cycle at five months. Wow. Okay. My cycle has been off kilter since the first baby came. <laughs> <laughs> the male punctuation is real. Okay. So then you figured out you were pregnant and yeah. you must have figured out somewhere around four weeks. Yeah, because with my first daughter, I found out that I was pregnant with her at four weeks because I went to the gynecologist for like a regular like checkup and they were like, you're pregnant. We're oh. not <laughs> checking you. Surprise. Like, oh, okay. Okay. So yeah, so I did that and I took a test and I was positive right away excited. and very excited because, you know, I always like me and my brother are four and a half years apart and I wanted to have my kids like a little bit closer, closer. in age. But then you said you miscarried at five and a half weeks, so about yes. a week and a half later. Five and a half weeks, I miscarried. I found out on a Thursday, on a Tuesday, more or less, like five days later, I found out that I was having a miscarriage. How did you figure it out? Like, what was happening? In the morning, I saw like a little bit like pink when I went to the bathroom. And I was like, well, it's normal to have like, you know, like a little bit of pink in uh, urine, like when you're at the beginning, but I was like, oh, I, I don't want to, you know, pay too much attention, went out uh, with a friend. And then when I came back home in the afternoon, I went to the bathroom again. And I was like, this is a lot of blood. I need to go to the hospital right away. And then when I went to the hospital, they were amazing with me. They were super understanding. I very nice. I did all the tests that they had to do. They did also an ultrasound to see if something was still inside my uterus, which was the most painful thing. Yeah, that's how you. Oh, it's a vaginal down. ultrasound. It's a vaginal ultrasound. Oh, yeah. yeah. But it sounds like more than physically, it was emotionally painful for you. It was really because I never expected it. You know, like nobody ever really talked about miscarriages. And you also feel that there is something wrong with you. Uh, I did something wrong, and that's why I had a miscarriage, which is not your fault. But at the same time, you know, everyone always talk about how amazing pregnancy is and how great this time is, but they don't ever talk about the worst part of it, which is like when you have a miscarriage, what are you going to do? You feel very lonely, very, very lonely. Yeah, and it's unfortunate. I think it's starting to change a little bit, but still, so many people have miscarriages. It's sort of a natural part in the early phase. A natural part yeah. of having kids your body has to figure out is this uh, compatible or not and you know it sort of puts an end to the ones that aren't going to be compatible or they just aren't compatible and don't thrive uh, it doesn't mean you did anything wrong at all and in some ways it means you did something right like if two kids eat something that's toxic and one of them turns green and throws up and the other one doesn't the one who turned green and got rid of it is going to be healthier than the one who did it right they're going to struggle yeah. down the road 
but uh, it just is not talked about very often. Right now, it's interesting. We just put up on Informed Pregnancy Plus a series out of Australia called You Are Not Alone, and it is all about miscarriage and how lonely people feel and trying to get the dialogue going so that you don't have to be alone when that mm -hmm. happens. So you didn't have to do anything surgical there, right? Because your no. body expelled the baby naturally. Yeah. Thank um, goodness, yes. Did you just pick up the pieces and say, let's try again? I just like, yeah, I was like, okay, this can happen. It's fine. Let's just like try again in a month, like, you know, like a couple of months and let's see how it goes. And actually a couple of months later, I was pregnant again. And if I have to be honest, we didn't really try. It was like one time and I was pregnant again and I was like, okay, so let's see how this goes. But we were in 2020 in the middle of the pandemic. And then when I called the hospital, they were like, oh, you can have an ultrasound at 12 weeks. We don't see anyone before 12 weeks now. So I was like, OK, I'm going to wait the 12 weeks. But then I knew that something was wrong because my body wasn't really doing its thing. My breast wasn't really sore. I don't know. There was something off. I knew that there was something off. And then when the 12 weeks hit, I went to uh, get an ultrasound. And the first thing that the doctor told me, which was a nurse practitioner, actually, uh, no, it was not even a doctor. And she was like, well, there is something wrong. You're having a molar pregnancy. And I was like, what are you talking about? I don't even know what that is. And she explained to me that it happens to one in a thousand. And basically the fetus is not growing. And I had to have a DNC, like a surgery. Really? What was that and like? I did not understand what she was saying. My brain was just not functioning. And I was like, okay, she said something, but I don't understand. This was the biggest trauma I ever had, which is like seeing in that little computer, all these like roots, what I call them roots in my uterus. It looked like that a tree was growing and all these roots were in my uterus and it wasn't clean. And it was like pretty traumatic to see. To the point that every time I had an ultrasound after that, I always like looked at the screen in like panic because I didn't want to see that ever again. Wow. And then I was supposed to have a surgery three days later, but then with COVID again, everything, you know, like we got delayed. And then like three days later, Christmas Eve, we got COVID all of a sudden after oh, eight wow. months of not seeing anyone. And then on uh, Monday, I was supposed to have my surgery. And then what happened is that I had to call the hospital and be like, okay, I have COVID. I, my husband has COVID. I'm still negative, but I don't think it's okay. It's appropriate for me to come. And they were like, okay, we're going to call you two weeks. And I was like, I don't think I have two weeks. I feel that there is something that has to be done right now. And they were like, okay, we're going to call you tomorrow. But actually nobody ever did. So a week went by and at 3 a.m. on a Sunday, I started to have contraction like I was nine months pregnant. And it was painful. I was losing tons of blood. And then in the, like at 8 a.m. to five hours later, I decided to go to ER. I called the hospital and they were like, run to the ER. We're going to tell them that even if you're positive for COVID, we, we're going to tell them they're going to take care of you. So I ran to ER. Thank goodness there was nobody. I was the only one in ER. They wow. put me in a separate room. I had three nurses and a doctor which now he's my gynecologist which is the, the best person i ever met in my life and he was like we need to like give you an emergency dnc because you're in so much pain that three doses of morphine didn't do anything 
so yeah so that's what happened wow that's so intense on so many levels and also complicated by the pandemic did you turn out to be positive oh yeah i turned out to be positive i had covid and when he told me you have covid i was like what is gonna happen he was like i'm gonna take care of you it's just that i have to put you in a different room because at the time was like a surgery room for COVID patients, surgery room for known COVID patients. So that's how it worked at the time. But the most scary part, it was like, they took me down to the um, ultrasound lab. And the person who does the ultrasound asked me to stand up. And when I stood up, all this blood came out and I saw her scared. And I was like, oh my God, something is wrong. So yeah, and I was alone, completely alone. Not a single person with me because nobody could come in. So that's so hard. Not even your partner. No, nobody. Not he, had, he, was, he was positive anyway, but even if he wasn't, I don't think they were letting them in at that time. No. In 2020, nobody could go in. Obviously, you're pregnant now, 38 and a half weeks. Still so heartbreaking to hear. Let's take a little break and find out what happened after that. We'll be right back. Welcome out to the podcast. We're talking Valentina. And wow, after the first time you just got pregnant quickly and had a great pregnancy, a great birth, a rough postpartum, then your first pregnancy was a five and a half week miscarriage. A couple months later, you got pregnant with a molar pregnancy that's because of the pandemic didn't get treated right away. And you had a very intense DNC. And now you're pregnant <laughs> and yep. everything's going great, but there was more in between. Yeah. So. And for six months after I got my molar pregnancy, I got checked every month and everything went fine. And then in August 2021, I got pregnant again and everything seemed fine. Even then, like we didn't even try. It happened once. And, uh, you know, like all my friends got pregnant, like, oh, like we did it once and we got pregnant. And I was like, well, it doesn't really work like that for me. But actually that time it worked for me. Hmm. When you said you did it once, was that like a conscious choice? Let's see if we can get pregnant again. Yeah, let's say yes. (laughs) Let's say yes. No, it's just that, you know, like we really wanted to have another kid. And we were like, it doesn't matter if we use contraception or not, because we want another kid. So actually it worked out pretty well. But then around nine weeks, I got another miscarriage. So we heard the heartbeat at seven and a half weeks. And I went back in at nine and no heartbeat oh wow so seven and a half everything was good yeah and then nine weeks do they have any idea why no my doctor was like listen because of your age because of you know everything that happened to you like this can happen like it happens in one in four women and it was like actually i have the feeling that it happens in one in three because you know like they don't always get reported they don't yeah And so do you want to say your age? Yeah, I'm 38. So I was 37 at the time. Yeah, I mean, pretty young. Yeah, you know, but I think that for over 35, I get it. But also, I mean, you also have to take into account you are a super healthy person. So even though your age is over 35, which I don't think is a magic number, your clinical health profile is very good. Like you don't have diabetes, you don't have hypertension, you don't have obesity. Like there's a lot of great things working in your favor. What's going on in your mind at this point? Like that's three strikes, so to speak. Like 
I'm yeah. just thinking emotionally. Like each time, is it harder to pick up the pieces and try again? I think that by the third time, I was exhausted. I looked at my doctor and I was like, I'm not even gonna try anymore. And I remember him saying, like, you should not say that. This happens, but you never know because after a few miscarriages, like. 80% of the women get uh, pregnant and they have a full-term pregnancy. And actually he was right. But at the same time, like when you're in the moment, you're like, everything is happening to me. I'm alone. Everyone is getting pregnant really easily and is keeping the babies. And, you know, it's like you always think that you're the only person in the entire world that is going through that, which is not true. But at the same time, you know, that's what you feel like because there is no support available or you have to really like look for it and search for it yeah um, it's it's not obvious but it's no, there it's not obvious. you know with your courage and talking about it so openly and freely and passionately um uh, hopefully that'll help change that landscape for people i really hope so especially really, really since really. you always change the landscape with your artwork yeah <laughs> thank you very yeah. much all right so now you're pregnant yeah how did this pregnancy come to be this was the hardest pregnancy, um, very anxious pregnancy. I have to be honest, like I didn't enjoy it. I enjoyed from 30 weeks to 35 weeks. I was very happy. Now I'm 38 and a half and I'm exhausted. But the pregnancy was very, very, very hard because it took me six months, not that much to get pregnant again. I went to this fertility doctor that she's amazing and we found out that I got hit by secondary infertility, mm-hmm. which I had three follicles left. And she had the feeling that these follicles were in great shape. So we started this treatment with this hormone that is called DHA. Yeah. And it wasn't easy because I had to take pills for six months and it took a toll on my body. But, you know, like everything is fine now. But I think that since day one that I found out that I was pregnant, because the other fun story is that I got pregnant the day before starting IVF. On a Monday, I was like, let me take a test just in case, because tomorrow morning I have to start the medicine, the injections for the IVF, because that's the route that we wanted to take. And then I was like, well, I'm pregnant. Let me take another test. Well, I'm pregnant (laughs) again. So. Nobody okay. ever trusts the first test. <laughs> I was like, well, if I had another one, I would think. <laughs> I know, that should come as a 10-pack. Yeah. But yeah, so what happened is that I got pregnant. But since day one, I was like very, very, very anxious. Very yeah. anxious. It was not easy. Again, there's no support if you are just, you know, like at the hospital. Even the nurses, they don't know how to talk with you. They just assume that you're the happiest person on earth because you're pregnant, which I wasn't because I was just a nerve wrack. Um, Is it different in Italy? uh, In Italy, it's different just because we have our doctors since we are babies, you know, like it's very hard for us to like change doctors, especially like the family doctor or gynecologist. You have them for like 20 years until they retire so or until you want to change because you know you found someone that you like more but the thing is my best friend's mom was my gynecologist for 20 years and she always been a gynecologist here i had to change like five different gynecologists because of health insurance so so you don't develop that kind of relationship no you're just know each other very well 
no, you're just a number. You're just a patient that shows up at 10 a.m. in the office. That's it. You're no more than that. Mm. And that, I think, is the hardest part. I'm personally very, very lucky because my gynecologist doesn't make me feel like I'm a number. He really cares about me and really listens to what my body is telling me. And, you know, like he listens. And that's the most important thing for me. So two questions, because you're going to come back and share this birth story with us on the other Mm -hmm. side. But uh, two questions. One is, what are some of the things you did to help you conquer the anxiety during pregnancy? It sounds like it was running high. And then the other one will be, what are you doing to prepare for this birth, especially in light of your tailbone injury last time? Well, I I did, and I'm still doing a lot of therapy. So once a week, I talk to my therapist about like all my anxiety because it's like really helping me a lot. Since day one, I wanted to have a good team of physicians and people that could help me. So I found like, for me, what is the best acupuncturist, the best chiropractor, which is you or the best gynecologist, you know, like for me, the most important thing, it's like, I cannot be in control of this pregnancy, but I can be in control of other stuff. So for me being control of like the team that is taking care of me, it's very important for my mental health. That's for me is the most important thing. And you know, like it can happen that my tailbone is going to break again. But this time I'm seeing a doula every week and we're doing Pilates together and pelvic floor exercises to like strengthen my pelvic floor even more. And hopefully this time I'm going to be able to like push in a different position that is not Mm -hmm. on my back. Hopefully if I get an epidural, they're going to allow me to get a walking epidural so I can feel my legs and still like try different positions. If not, you know, I need to see what's going to happen when I'm in the, the delivery room, but I got my donut pillow just in case <laughs> if I'm on my back, but I feel stronger and I feel better this time because this time I took all these steps to make my body feel stronger, to make my mm-hmm. body feel like, okay, we can do this. It doesn't have to happen again. Let's see how it goes, but I'm pretty positive that this time is not going to happen. Okay. Well, you know, you've been through a lot and hopefully when the pendulum swings in your favor, it swings at least as far, if not further than when it was against you. And hopefully have a really beautiful birth and no injury. But now, you know, there is pelvic health physical therapy in the U.S. And I know you're very close to the end. It just occurred to me, though, you might even want to do a visit before your birth because while you're strengthening your pelvic floor, if it's too tight going in, they could also release it a bit so that you're strong but not tight. And maybe that added layer of function could be helpful for you. All right. I feel super blessed that I ever got to meet you and hang out with you. The energy that comes shooting out of you, just the passion for life and maternal energy is so inspiring, especially after you've been through all these hardships. So I just thank the universe for somehow crossing our paths and just honored to play a tiny role in your epic journey here and look forward to hearing the rest of the story on the other side. Thank you. Very grateful to have you. And I hope you get your power back. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You're in the middle of a power outage. So Valentina, where can we find you and your beautiful artwork online? You can find me at Bruschetta Science on Instagram. And that's where I have all my artwork oh my and all goodness. this. Bruschetta just makes me so hungry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
That's what it's there for. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll check you out. Be sure to sign us on Instagram. And we're over there, too, at Dr. Berlin. D-O-C-T-O-R-B-E-R-L-I-N. Whoa! Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a 